out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore with a question from my fans on Voice America Kids. Do you have what it takes to be America's next young superstar? If you're the ages between 8 and 12 years old, then step up to the microphone. You could win $25,000 in cash, a recording contract, and a scholarship. So make sure you get your parents' permission first, then go to www.stepuptothemicrophone.com to enter. Peace. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your hosts, Shandara Peschel and Steven Zhao, together with the Express Yourself Star on Air team. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. Now, here's Shondara Pachau and Steven Zhao to kick off the fun. Hey there, and welcome to our program, Express Yourself. We're a show by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. I'm Steven Zhao, and I'm your teen host for tonight's show. This episode continues our series and tough teen talks with a very challenging subject on suicide. A suicide claims more than a million lives each year and leaves more than five million to mourn the dead. It knows no boundaries and affects even teenagers, especially teenagers, not just people of all ages. Its victims are drawn by drugs, depression, disease, uh, sexual confusion, bullying, peer pressures, feelings of depression, and levels of inadequacy and feelings of without any, any hope left in the world. Talking about teen suicide and violence in youth is a necessity in order to stop it. In our next segment, we'll bring on an author who suffered the suicide of his brother and wrote a book to prevent other teens from taking that route. Right now, we're going to jump to our teen reporter, radio junkie, Courtney Tran, to get her insights on how music interprets these issues. Welcome back, Courtney. Hey, thanks for having me. Go ahead. All right, so we're taking a look at this topic of teen violence and suicide through music. So especially with the whole, you know, national anti-bullying campaign, Glee's latest cliffhanger episode discussing LGBT bullying and suicide attempts, and this year's trend of pop culture figures airing anti-bullying vows and taglines, the whole theme of teen violence and suicide has seen a huge research, especially in popular media, though it's a little too recent of a change to have any, you know, really strong, reliable statistics around to answer whether or not this has actually had a positive effect on suicide rates around the world. There has, however, been plenty of positive messaging going around. Some of this has been through, you know, PSAs, inspirational songs, inspirational music videos, inspirational movies, and plenty of this has been really positive. But just putting out a good message doesn't always guarantee that the message is going to be completely good. 
it's a little bit weirdly phrased, I know, but um, let's look, for example, to Rise Against Music Video Make It Stop. So this relatively recent video portrays three LGBT teens coping with harassment at school. So in response to the bullying, all three of them consider suicide and their lives flash before their eyes via an out-of-color video montage. The film ends with a series of inspiring, inspiring Believe in Yourself, It Gets Better webcam messages from teens. So though this video's good intentions are pretty painfully clear, the video has been criticized for making it seem as though the immediate automatic universal response to bullying is always suicide. LGBT teens are painted only as victims. I personally agree with this same critical stance, although I do understand that the video was attempting to call attention to the issue of LGBT teen suicide. I do certainly think that the image was taken a little too far and ended up making something of a pity case for the portrayed teens rather than an empowerment message. So the point of it is, although it's great that musicians and music groups and famous figures are trying to bring attention to serious issues, in quite a lot of cases, perspectives are really just skewed. The same way that so many songs today mesh themes as innocent as, say, being in love with language derogatory to women. So I guess my food for thought question is this. With all of this in mind, how much effect on teen violence and suicide do media messages really have? And is the effort through music enough to stop something this drastic? Stephen, any opinions? Well, my first thought when you sorted your message is uh, clearly I predicted you were going to use the Glee episode because I did see that. <laughs> ha, I didn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's okay. interesting because uh, they definitely do have a message. They do, definitely do have an impact. And, for example, music can stop people from going too far sometimes if they use it as a medium of letting out their negative emotions. But I don't – I think uh, – I do think that media should be media and music should be used more on the side of uh, helping control emotions and helping people deal with them than giving them specific messages about what to do. So I think it's a little dangerous to say, "Oh, this song told me how to deal with this kind of depression, and I'm going to do that now." <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about that, Courtney? You know, I'm actually not completely decided as the on the issue, which is part of the reason I brought it up as the question, because I mean, well, firstly, you are right about how music is good for expressing things like this. But at the same time, there has been a tie between um, country music and increased rates of suicide, weirdly enough. There's Wait, what's that? Support. What's that from? <laughs> actually, um, I had it. I was looking at an article earlier off of JSTOR, I think, and it was called um, The Effect of Country Music on Suicide. So I, I remember it was saying something like country music is hypothesized to nurture a more suicidal mood because it's more concerned with problems common in people who do consider suicide. And apparently it's the music type most often committed suicide, too. But I mean, at the same time, you are right in the sense that, I don't know, something as simple as listening to a song wouldn't be enough to stop teen suicide or teen violence. So do you think it's really a waste of time people who really want to make a difference shouldn't they should they be putting their efforts into something like counseling or charities things like that um okay yeah i think uh the you trying to use music to reach out to those uh, who are in a depressive mood or uh, close to the brink of suicide would be less effective probably than trying to establish more education in terms of counseling and stuff like that but i'm thinking more like a person who is at that point or using music maybe uh, writing it or just I guess it's playing. as a last-ditch attempt. Yeah, something like that would help. But counseling on bigger picture, I think, is a better image. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I'm actually still a little... The, okay, the country music thing actually kind of blows my mind because if you think about it, country music seems like really inspiring and kind of 
dancey. <laughs> not, I don't know. Not exactly. I've always, I, country music does hit some pretty hard spots, actually. Like, I, um, I can pull up the article right now. Yeah, it's from JSTOR by J.M. Gunlosh. Um, the effect of country music on suicide from Wayne State and Auburn University. And let's see, let's scroll through this. It says, um, we explore the link between a particular form of popular music, country music, and metropolitan suicide rates. And we contend that the themes found in country music foster a suicidal mood among people already at risk of suicide. Therefore, it's associated with a high suicide rate. It's buttressed by the country subculture and a link between the subculture and a racial status. It's It gets really complex. But basically, the point is that country music, since a lot of it does have to deal with the same issues that people who are committing or at risk for suicide to deal with would be, I guess, buttressing a little bit Mm -hmm. the ideals of suicide. But I don't know. At the same time, I think that it's a great effort that the whole anti-bullying campaign is making. And the fact that they're trying to make it through music, through media, through celebrity messages and stuff is, you know, respectable. But I don't know. Yeah. And I'm actually realizing... I'm actually realizing my viewers are slightly biased right now because I'm realizing a lot of the songs I listen to are the hopeful type of songs. <laughs> but yeah. there's a huge genre. Yeah, there's a huge genre of depressive songs out there, though, <laughs> that I don't really listen to and I'm realizing could be negative, could be pretty bad. Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, songs that come to mind, what, Pain by Third, uh, Three Days Grace. These songs are just, like, pretty dark and yeah, I, I think it would be negative i'd say like taylor swift because mm-hmm. i i don't consider her completely country but look at the biggest country songs out right now like um if i die young i mean it, it's in the title if i die young is probably one of the biggest country music hits yeah today. the band perry i need you now by lady antebellum is about a boy and a girl who have just broken up and she's like drinking in the middle of the night it's it's very much um I mean, there there is a good degree of positive country music out there, and not just for country music. Mm-hmm. There's a good degree of positive music out there, but I I don't know. It could again be a kind of bias of the music I listen to, but I've noticed a very strong, getting stronger kind of culture of more depressing music, especially mm-hmm. with them, the onset of groups like Paramore and their huge huge um, popularity. If you really look at all the Paramore songs. I think maybe one or two of their hits are positive. <laughs> so the rest of them are like, yeah. And I'm realizing, boring brick. Yeah, and I'm realizing it's also kind of like a cycle because what what I was saying earlier is that people who are in a depressive mood can write songs that are negative to let out their emotions, but then those songs affect other people. So not 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 really just that, but I mean, of the number of people who are at risk for suicide, how many of them are songwriters? Yeah, that's also a big point. <laughs> it it helps if you are a songwriter, but I mean, not everyone does write songs. It's actually a pretty narrow group of musicians who do. Mm-hmm. That's so. pretty true. Mm-hmm. What about, do you have any other opinions in that, though? Because uh, I definitely think uh, it can be established. That music can be a negative effect. But do you have any uh, stories or any uh, um, knowledge about really positive effects of music? Positive effects of music? I You know, really honestly, they're everywhere. So like the ones I talked in, I maybe it was the last radio segment, a couple before that, but um, I brought up Mean by Taylor Swift, directly against bullying, uh, Perfect by Pink, again, directly against like depression, suicide, lack of self-worth, things like that. There are plenty of positive messages out there, but I think probably a 
big part of the issue with skewed perspectives, as in the example of the Rise Against music video, Make It Stop, is a lack of general knowledge, education, acceptance of the reality of issues like teen suicide. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always hear about teen suicide being, oh, this, like, a person was bullied at school that led to suicide. It's a lot more complex than that psychologically and statistically, scientifically, socially. It's, there are a lot of other factors that go into this. And I think just a general lack of understanding and music's attempt to oversimplify this into rhyming verses seems, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say detrimental to the anti-bullying campaign, but But a little um, weak. It's a little bit weak. I think it Mm -hmm. cheapens the message slightly. I think it, um, really just underscores how big the problem is because the problem isn't just that people are committing suicide. The problem extends to the fact that people don't really understand the entire issue. Mm-hmm. That actually puts us in a great place to end now because next segment we'll be talking to a 8th uh, Annual Be The Sorry You Are National Co- Essay Contest winner, Carl David, who wrote about teen suicide and talks about these ideas on how to help teens get more knowledge about the subject and get more help on the subject. So thank you, Courtney, for starting us off very nicely to think about music and its relation to suicide and bringing us to that place where we can really talk about what actually helps. You're welcome. All right. You're listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Stephen Zhao, and don't go away. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good... Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. 
For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hey there, and thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. My name is Steven Zhao, and I am one of your teen hosts today. This segment, we are talking about a really tough and sad topic that we introduced last segment, the idea of teen suicide and violence. And in youth, it's a necessity in order to stop it. Today on our show, we're focusing on these tough issues with bringing in an author, Carl David, who seems to be on a mission to save lives, so to speak. His latest book, Beta Field, How My Family Survived Suicide, is the emotional story of a family's struggle to survive after his older brother, at age 22, took his life. Welcome, Carl, to Express Yourself. Thank you, Stephen. Pleasure to be here with you today. Pleasure to have you. Carl, first of all, congratulations on winning second place in the 8th National Be The Star You Are essay contest. And your essay is really why this subject of teen suicide is on the show today. We would actually love to hear you read your winning essay to us. But before we begin, could you tell us a bit about why you wrote this essay and why you entered the contest? Well, I think that with the um, amount of suicides that teens are incurring these days it's it's at an epidemic level and i think they really need to know that that is never really the answer that there's always a better solution to a problem i mean that is really a permanent solution to a temporary problem and i just think they need to realize that there's help out there for them they're not alone and you know that they're loved and this is such something that's really not an event that you come back from and it really does terrible things to their family and friends left behind yeah, I think you're hitting upon a really good idea about the idea of how permanent such an act is and how much damage it causes, not just to oneself, but to everyone else around them. Carl, where, where, did, you get the, um, where did you get the inspiration to write about this for the essay? Well, I lost a brother to suicide when I was 16. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it took a long time. You never really recover from it. You, you can learn to live with it as best you can, but you don't get over it. So I realized that I needed to do something um, to benefit others, you know, from this dark experience that I lived through. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So that's really where the inspiration came from. I think we're putting our listeners on, through a lot of suspense right now. So, Carl, if you won't mind, we would love to hear you read your essay to us. Sure, be happy to. Awesome. The essay was actually called Teen Suicide, and I, obviously, Carl David, uh, I'm the <laughs> author. Mm-hmm. Anyone to whom you mention the subject of suicide knows someone who committed suicide, far less than six degrees of separation. My latest book, Bader Field, How My Family Survived Suicide, was published by Nightingale Press, and it's the emotional story of our family's struggle to survive after my older brother at age 22 took his life. I was just 16. The effects on myself and my family were devastating. They were beyond description. We had but two choices, to pull together or tear each other apart. We chose the former and used every bit of strength to rebuild our lives. The challenges were monumental as every day was day one. We had to start over with each sunrise because the after effects were so persistent and the pain ever so present that at times it seemed insurmountable. We wondered if we would ever be able to move forward and regain some semblance of life. We also realized after a period of time that life does go on with us or without us and that we had to forge on and live for ourselves and for my brother. He had wanted that and we knew that whatever the cause was that pushed him to that final edge of desperation If he'd known the pain that his loss would cause, 
he never would have ended his life. Kids need to know that no matter what, no matter how desperate they feel, that they are loved, that there's help for them, and that suicide is never, ever the answer. It is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Life is a gift, and every day we wake up is a blessing. No matter the difficulty, we get a redo. We have the luxury of choice in how we will spend our time and what we will do with it. The suicide of my brother impacted our family in a myriad of ways, but we ultimately found our way back to daylight with the help of our family, friends, and professional help. It is human nature and instinct to survive. We don't forget, we don't get over it. We just learn to live with it as best we can. This kind of lacerating experience becomes a part of our soul, embedding itself into our very psyches. Our unconscious keeps a permanent record of every moment of our life and reminds us of them vigorously when we try to erase them or repress them. Having lived through the suicide, this horrific experience, I am awakened to the purpose of my life. I'm paying it forward by illustrating the pain with which the surviving family members are so imbued, and perhaps it will draw someone back from that edge of final desperation. There are triggers that vault you backward in an instant. When we hear of someone who's taken their life, our scab is ripped off and we weep with involuntary kinship. There's a common ground as we've been thrust into an unwanted membership to this god-awful club. We feel for them. We know their pain. We want to reach out to comfort them, to let them know that they're not alone. They will survive. We all do. It's always present, that persistent bit of pain which lurks just beneath the surface, waiting to nudge you back into reality when it awakens with just the slightest influence. We must acknowledge it and never shut it out, for we cannot deny who we are and all of the experiences that build upon our foundation. We take ourselves with us wherever we go, that library of records within which defines us makes us individual. As a father, my perspective had become ever more profound. While our children were growing up, the haunts of the past were always there and our caution flags were always on guard. We never spoke of our brother's death until our children were of sufficient age to understand and not to freak out as this is a very, very sensitive issue. We needed to let them know almost as insurance so that by understanding the degree of destruction that such an act leaves on a family, that they would never even consider it. I am on a mission to save lives, even one. This is my way of paying forward by taking the darkest days of my life and helping others to see the impact of a suicide on the surviving family members and friends. I need to let those who have walked a similar devastating path know that life does go on and that life is for the living. Our scars become an integral part of us as the experiences imprint our souls, but it is what we do with that information that makes us who we are in the end. I lived it and I need to share my story firsthand so that it will spare others from going through it. Suicide claims more than a million lives each year worldwide and leaves more than 5 million to mourn them. It knows no boundaries, not age, gender, color, race, nationality. Its victims are drawn by drugs, depression, disease, sexual confusion, bullying, peer pressures, feelings of desperation and immeasurable levels of inadequacy. The only way to thwart this unforgiving beast is to confront it by raising levels of awareness so that it is spoken about rather than looking the other way, fueling the veil of shame and secrecy that keeps it thriving and killing innocent people. If you know someone who is on that final edge of desperation and hopelessness, reach out to them. Get them to talk to a family member, a friend, a rabbi, a priest, a doctor, a nurse, a bartender, even a stranger. There are so many avenues of help available. 911, 
contact organizations, suicide hotlines, the list goes on and on and on. Don't hesitate, don't second guess, don't wonder, just do it, reach out. Be a little overzealous in wishing you would have acted sooner. You might just save a life. Remember, whoever saves a life saves the world entire. This is my way of making a difference in the lives of others. Wow, Connor. I can totally see why you got second place in that contest. Thank you. That was such a really powerful essay. And I mean, as I was listening to you read it, I actually got reminded of this one of my favorite quotes. I'm just going to share this right now. Have you heard of Viktor Frankl? Uh, the name is familiar. Psychologist back in the um, mid-1900s. Uh, one of his uh, famous books has this quote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. It's definitely one of my favorite quotes, and I feel like it really applies to what you're saying in your story and your message to everyone, teenager or not, listening to it. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, quotation and very apt. Mm -hmm. Hey, so Carl, how did any specific ideas, how did you, your family respond and handle this trauma? I mean, you mentioned this idea of how to basically um, lift yourself up from it and each day challenging it as an entirely new day. But do you have any specific advice? Uh, yeah, Stephen, you know, for those who have uh, either gone through it and, and hopefully no one has, but um, this kind of experience you need your family around you, you need your friends, and you really need professional help. I mean, this is not something that can go um, un untreated, if you will. I mean, this is mm -hmm. a real trauma. And we got through it by, you know, holding together as a family and and staying close and, and trying to fill the gap. Um, you know, it, it took me years and years. And it, it, at one point, I really felt that I needed professional help. And I, um, had the, the luxury, if you will, of going into a psychoanalysis and getting real psychological help because I had to unwind all of this ball of um, hidden stresses and, and pain that I kind of buried within myself so that I wouldn't have to feel it. And that's why my message was, you know, you can't, you take this stuff with you. You can't hide from it. it wherever you go, you go and, and you go with yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, professional help is, is a, a, a great way. Organizations, people to talk to. I mean, you don't even have to incur huge expenses, you know, with psychiatrists. I mean, there are plenty of organizations that are out there. They're gratis. I mean, they don't charge. They're just there to help save lives. Yeah. That's actually interesting because I don't know, as a student, I almost feel like this idea of professional help isn't that useful. What do you find so useful about professional help that could help people uh, bounce back from such events? Well, it's a private venue and you can vent without having any feelings of uh, intimidation or shame. Um, you're not judged, you know, hopefully you find the right person to speak with. But uh, when there's no judgment, you just open up and, and, you know, let everything out. Sometimes you can't do that with family members because you don't want to upset them. Mm -hmm. Hey, Carl, we're actually out of time for this segment, but really luckily you're going to be back next segment to talk more about this subject because there's a lot more questions that i would have so let's take a quick break right now but we'll return to this interview momentarily you're Thank listening you. to carl david as he discusses his personal experiences in losing his young brother to suicide visit him online at www.carldavid that's c-a-r-l david.com my name is steven zhao you're listening to express yourself on the voice america kids network we'll be right back
We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. It's almost showtime. Tune in to Curtain Call every week for the latest happenings from the world of theater. It's news and reviews, both on stage and behind the scenes. If you've ever wanted to be a stage actor, theater director, or work behind the scenes in production, this is the show for you. Your hosts have been there and done that, and will answer all of your questions right on the air. Listen for Curtain Call. Weekly performances are happening Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. What is No Added Preservatives all about? Well, it might be easier to say what isn't the show about. Your host will give it to you straight. His take on film, television, books, video games, and pretty much any other topic that comes up. He'll keep you safe and on top of the latest in media and let you know what to stick with and what to trash. Listen every week to No Added Preservatives, and each show will leave you wanting more. Tune in Wednesday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. My name is Steven Zhao, and I am your teen host today. We're returning to this uh, show about teen suicide and violence, a very heavy and tough topic to talk about. But today with us is Carl David, a award-winning essay writer on teen suicide and author about this tough subject. Carl, in his past segments, shared his essay and his story with us, and for that, we thank you. So, as you join us in the second segment here today, we'd like to know a little bit more about your story, and once again, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, an honor to be able to get my message out. Mm -hmm. So, Carl, for those who, the listeners who joined us here right now, could you share any details about your story with your older brother? For example, any signs indicating your brother's state prior to him taking his life? Well, there really weren't any signs. I mean, we were uh, blindsided by this event. Um, the, the only hint that we had in retrospect um, was that his reserve unit was about to go to Vietnam and all of the, uh, you know, the television news journals and, and reels were portraying these kids coming back more limbless or in body bags. And uh, my brother was very sensitive. And, um, you know, the only thing we can surmise is, we, you know, he must have freaked out. 
or there was something else going on that we didn't know about that uh, he never spoke about. Um, either way, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't bring him back. And, um, you know, if there were a note of explanation, I guess, you know, maybe you'd have some degree of closure, but there really is never anything in the way of closure for an event like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it stays with you. Did your brother leave anything explaining or did you ever find out exactly why he took his life? No, there was no um, no hint, no clue, nothing. I mean, we were literally blindsided. I mean, we were the idyllic 1960s American family. Yeah, uh, I was 16. My, my brother was 22. My eldest brother was 28. And it just like it hit us like a ton of bricks. Um, no signs, no hints, nothing. I mean, if there were something, you know, if we had seen him giving his things away or talking about suicide or something that would have given us an enlightenment, um, we would have jumped right on it. Wow. Yeah, that's actually even worse than anything else. Just not knowing why and not knowing what you could have done to prevent it. Exactly. I mean, you know, you always look back as a God, you know, I wish there was something I could have done. What could I have done? I should have seen it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's pretty much a parent's role. My parents kind of felt that my father, especially saying like, you know, I, I should have known, I should have seen it. He mm-hmm. was the one who found them actually um, in our gallery up on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really tough. That is yeah. really tough. How did your family handle it? The initial reaction? I mean, we talked about long term in the previous segment, but Right when it happened, how did you guys deal with such stunning, shocking, just horridness coming out? I think, you know what, our whole world went black and uh, we just, I guess we just dealt as best we could um, just to somehow muster through it. Um, I, I, you know, I I look back at those days and uh, they're still painful. Yeah, definitely. I can totally understand that. And how did you guys uh, i mean you were a brother and a son at that time you were only 16 and your older brother was barely 22 i believe how has your perspective changed since then especially since you're a father now um i'm very aware you know uh these kids today uh bandy about the phrases like i'm gonna kill myself you know if i don't get this if i don't do that and you know every time i hear that my ears go up and I think like, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, wake up, you know, this is not the end of the world. And, you know, because your boyfriend broke up with you or your girlfriend broke up with you or somebody picked on you at school. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know what? Stand up for yourself. You got a life. There's, there's, there's a path out there for you. Don't fall to that kind of pressure. I mean, it just, it's a big world and, you know, there's some cruel people in it, but um, you got to stand up and fight for yourself. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're bullied, you know, fight back. I mean, go, you know, just do something, but don't take it out on yourself. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned several times during your essay that you write and you share to convince other youth people that this is not the right path to take. I mean, suicide has some really scary statistics out there. Can you tell us some about them and what you personally think you have done and could do and other people could do to fight against this trend, this pretty bad trend? Yeah, I mean, about a million or so people every year take their life worldwide, and that number is growing. And in the in the U.S. alone, uh, we've got about thirty to thirty-five thousand people a year who kill themselves. And you know, with the, with the advent of all these wars and guys coming back with the, the atrocities that they've seen, uh, you know, their minds are really screwed up, and they need help. And um, there's there's a, a range of of uh, age from fourteen to twenty-four, which is a real hot button, you know, an area where it's, it's, kids are especially vulnerable. And then yeah, you've there's got, so much pressure coming from school and everything going around and society in, in general. 
not it a is. fun time. <laughs> no, it's not. But you have to put everything into perspective and realize that, hey, you know what? This is just school. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do okay. And if I don't do okay, I'll get help. And, you know, there's always a, there's always another, another way to go. Um, it's, you know, life is not that serious at that level that it's worth taking your life. It just isn't. Yeah. So what programs do you think are useful in reaching out to students like this and making sure that they know there's someone out there who can help them? I think that uh, this is an issue that just needs to be talked about. And, and um, you know, a lot of these kids today feel this kind of internal pressure or mm-hmm. they've got some kind of depression going on and they really need help, you know, and, and this is an issue like when I was 16 years old in the 1960s, you didn't talk about it. Uh, you didn't talk about emotional problems because if you had emotional issues, there was something wrong with you. So instead of getting help, um, which is the healthy thing to do, you, you know, people would internalize it, not talk about it, and it would fester inside and then you'd never even know. Mm-hmm. So, I, th- I think that pressure is, exists today, this idea that we have to be perfect people, just focus on getting straight A's and focus on having a lot of extracurriculars. But there's so much more going on underneath the mask that people don't really recognize. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that, the, you know, this is a topic that should be spoken about and talked about um, avidly in schools, mm-hmm. from middle school to high school and college. I mean, those are the, the, the three main age groups where this has the, the most serious effect. And, you know, it, truthfully, if I could get my book into every school system in, in the country, I would be thrilled. Yeah. Because then, you know, not, not monetarily, but, but, you know, to get this in the curriculum, where kids would have to read this to see what kind of damage it does to a family, but also to see that, you know, this is not the answer that there's, mm-hmm. this, you know, somebody could wake up and say, you know what, I was really thinking about it, but now I see that there's really another way. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great dream to have. Hey, turning on the topic of your book, we mentioned earlier that you wrote the book Beta Field, How My Family Survived Suicide. Would you like to share about that and tell us um, specifically why you wrote it and what, how did you write write such a book and what did you share through it? Well, I originally wrote it as homage to my father who died when he was 58. And the reason mm-hmm. he died when he was 58 is he only lived eight years after my brother took his life. It, it, oh. yeah, you know, it's just, so I needed to let the world know, as well as my family, who really knew my father, um, how great this guy was. He was my hero. But as mm-hmm. I got into the book and the story of our, our family, um, unfolded, I realized that this was a critical issue and this really became the focus of the book, the purpose, if you will. Um, and, you know, it was my reach out, my way of, of doing something to expose this issue as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Was it difficult to write about it though? Or was oh, it yeah. more Was it more of a sense to let out your emotions in a sense? It was um, tremendously difficult to write the book. I mean, it took yeah. me 25 years to get this thing finished. Oh, and, you know, wow. I wrote it and of course the chapters on my brother were the most difficult because they were most painful Mm -hmm. and I had to go back and relive it. And at one point my wife said to me, you know what, I'm not feeling this. You're intellectualizing. If it's too painful, don't do it. So I said, no, I have to do it. I'll go back and, and, you know, I have to dig my heels in, um, relive it to make it accurate, to do it justice. Cause I had one shot at getting this book out in the marketplace. Once it was out, it was too late. So I knew I had to do the best I could do. And I did. And that's why it took so long. I had to go back and relive all this, this pain. It was cathartic at the same time, uh, but very, very difficult. What do you mean by cathartic in, in a sense? Well, you know, every time you, you go through one of these episodes and you relive it, um, you allow your feelings to surface and yeah. come out again. So if you're blocking anything, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it gives you perspective. It gives you another way of looking at the situation uh, by kind of reliving it, which is painful, but it's, 
it's healing. Mm-hmm. So, Carl, if you had to summarize the message of your book in just a couple of sen- sentences, what would you say is the message? Um, I would think that my main message is if you've got something going on in your head or in your heart, talk about it. Uh, find somebody to talk to, whether it's a, a clergy person, a stranger, a school teacher, a bartender, anybody. Just get out there and talk. You're not alone. Um, you know, let this thing out from inside you so that it, it doesn't run your life and um, it doesn't take your life. Mm-hmm. And how well do you think this message is being received? And uh just from the uh, results of the sales of your book, what would you say, how would you like to make this message get out there and reach it and reach more people? Well, I'm doing as much radio work, television work, uh, magazine, newspaper journal work and uh, public speaking whenever I can mm-hmm. to keep this out there. And, you know, and I, I, my wife and I have spoken and I said, you know what? I don't know how much of an effect the book's had. I know everybody who's read it has absolutely been moved by it and in a positive way. They've been inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said to me, you know what? It doesn't matter. Um, it may already have saved lives. You'll ne- you may never know. I yeah, said, that's right. the thing. You never know the results, but you, you know you got to just believe that. Really, you're helping so many people. I know that I am. Mm-hmm. I know. I know in my heart that I, that I am. Just putting this message out there, and from the feedback that I've gotten through phone calls, emails, and letters, even after uh, radio and television interviews, people are very moved by it. They love it. They cannot believe how much I exposed myself and how much. Um, I've given them in the way of hope. Yeah. Have you heard specifically from someone who literally said, I was about to go down this path, but your book helped me realize there's more than one option? I have. I've heard that through emails. That must feel amazing just knowing that. Very, very rewarding. Very rewarding. That's the whole purpose. Mm -hmm. Hey, Carl, thank you so much for joining us. We are out of time, but your message has really gone out to everyone, and I think it's a really powerful way to speak spread this idea of making sh- of responding well to anything that happens to everyone and youth or not who might be listening. Oh, thank you. And just as a as footnote real quickly, uh, if anybody wants to visit my website, they can get a, a sense of some of the things that are in the book. There's a chapter up there. It's called, it's www.carledavid.com. And the book is available online. It's on, it'll be on the Kindle soon. It's on the, on the iPad. It's on Nook and uh, Kobo and, um, Amazon, everywhere you can think the books available in hard copy and on, on download worldwide. Awesome. We'll definitely keep our eye out for it then. Thank you very much for having me tonight. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. You have been listening to Carl David as he discusses his personal experiences on teen suicide when he lost his young brother. You can find out more about Carl again at his website, www.carledavid.com. That's Carl spelled with a C, where you can also purchase his book, Bayfield, How My Family Survived Suicide. Next segment, we'll wrap up our show with a final guest reporter. You're listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk, and the world listens on the Voice America Kids Network. My name is Steven Zhao, and we'll be back in a bit. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You just love your pets, but sometimes they can get to be a handful. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, 
crazy. For help, tune in to Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the tech team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hey there, and thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. My name is Steve Mazzao, and I am the teen host for this show. Now, this uh, specific show, we've been talking about the tough and sensitive issue of teen suicide and violence. In the past few segments, we've been talking to author Carl David, who lost his brother to suicide at the young age of 16. Now he has written award-winning national essays and a book, Bay of Field, How My Family Survived Suicide, about his experiences. And in the interview, we really focused on the importance of how we respond to negative situations, no matter how bad, and realizing that there's always another option. Carl has talked about how he uses his experiences and shares them to make a difference in the lives of others, a vision that I personally find really inspiring as we all have stories of negative events in our lives. And while it's difficult to share them, exposing ourselves to others and allowing others to learn from them is the best way possible to use what we've gone through. And before we end, it's actually a perfect timing to bring in our field reporter, Rachel Glass, as she joins us for the second week in a row with her segment, Making a Difference. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi. So, Rachel, tell us what you have for us this week. Anything anything to share about this topic? It's, it is a really tough topic, especially probably in college. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually have a perfect or a story that relates to this topic mm-hmm. very well. Um, so, two years ago when I was a senior in high school, the day before Thanksgiving, I had gotten my wisdom teeth out. So, as you can imagine... Thanksgiving was not like a normal Thanksgiving and, you know, I just had the puffy cheeks and it was just really painful and I just really wanted to go home and I went, you know, I got through the whole night of dinner, not eating and I got home that night and my friend called me, just, you know, one of my best friends, so nothing out of the ordinary 
And she told me that her other best friend was in the hospital and she sounded calm, you know, considering the fact. And so I was like, okay, like, is she okay? What happened? And she told me that she took too many pills. And so my first thought was, you know, like, oh no, but I'm glad, you know, she's actually in the hospital, obviously Mm -hmm. getting some kind of treatment of some sort. I didn't really know what to think. And so my mom drove me to the hospital and, um, my friend, she had, she had gotten caught or not caught, but found by her boyfriend just at the very like last minute. So the hospital just had to let all the drugs go through her system because they couldn't pump her stomach because it was too late. So she was completely out of it and out of her mind. So me seeing her, like she wasn't really there in the hospital, but she was still alive. And so I got, you know, to see that. And it was one of the most awful sights in my life. Like just her just in the hospital with like a tube down her throat is very sad. And obviously, you know, her family was staying there overnight. So me and my, my other friend who had alerted me of what had happened, we went to go get them like food and blankets. And my friend was saying, my friend just said something like, um, I can't believe she committed, tried to commit suicide. And up until that point, that she said the word suicide, I honestly, I thought it was an accident. You know, I thought like she must have like accidentally just took too many, you know, don't know how I didn't really put (laughs) two. I did not put two into, I would never have thought. But I mean, it's hard to do that because you'd never would actually think one of your friends would do that. So, Oh yeah. It's like that, you know, the saying, you know, you never think it would happen to you. You would never think, you know, such a scary thing would happen Mm -hmm. to your friend. And, so that just whole ordeal, I was just still to this day, just thankful above everything that, you know, she was found, she was okay. Because as everyone knows, like, it doesn't always turn out that way. Mm-hmm. And so I had a sense of relief that she was okay, but it was just so scary that she was in, you know, that position and had those feelings that drove her to that. And I had totally overlooked them. And thinking back on it now and you know, after doing, you know, reading about it, doing research, she showed so many signs of it that were so obvious that I just thought, you know, when she was, you know, now I realize like she was completely depressed. And I just thought, you know, she was sad, like over her boyfriend. Like I did not think it was a bigger deal than it was. And mm-hmm. she, you know, had all the common things like she didn't come to school. Like she used to always like look cute and dress up and all of a sudden she just, you know, never did her hair or her makeup. And I just thought nothing of it you know? Yeah. And so I think something, what I took away from it and what I think, what I hope everyone else will take away from my story is that even though you may think that like you have, you know, it's your best friend who you know so well and is such a strong person, signs like that, even if they seem small, just should not be overlooked or thought of as nothing or that like she'll get over it or something like that. Cause it is, you know, a, a very serious issue. Mm-hmm. Of course, we want to end it on a happy note. So yes. how did the story play out? Like, what did you guys do to help her afterwards? And did she end up healing from that bout of depression? Yeah, actually, it was a very long process. And from there, a lot of she never did that again, but just, you know, still struggling with depression and with dealing all the things that were not you know, happy and right in her life. It was a very long process, but I think just the fact that we, that us as her friends, you know, 
realized she was in that position and could just support her. You know, all, all we did was, you know, just listen to her talk. If she, you know, late at night needed to like to come over, like, of course she could, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And How- she is, she is okay now, much better. That's really nice to hear. Yes. How did you guys make that clear to her, though? How did you guys make it? How did you guys, as your, her friends, uh, sh- really just get through to her that she can rely on you guys as friends and can turn to you guys whenever she needed help? Um, I think she always kind of knew that we were always there for her. Like, we were best friends. But she kind of thought, like, maybe... I think she thought, like, maybe we would look down on her or something yeah. like that. I think just the fact that now that it was out in the open and we were still there for her and, like, willing to help her just the same, you know, made her more comfortable, you know, talking about it to us and, like, really trusting us with it and just knowing that we were there to help her and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were there any other sources that helped him, helped her heal, like... As we mentioned in previous segments, there's professional support out there in website form and in um, counseling form. Did th- did those play any issue and play any part in, in this process? Yeah, she actually really turned to religion and, you know, mm-hmm. turned to God. And, and, you know, for everyone, they're going to, you know, think of a religion or what you believe in as something different. But for her, she turned to God and just really kind of it helped her to kind of focus on that and to, like, have something to believe in and, like, being able to, like, look forward mm-hmm. you know and, and she did like go to therapy she worked with a uh, christian therapist so that was you know part of the reason why she turned to religion and that actually because religion is a very complicated subject but that really really helped her mm-hmm. interesting because you one would think uh, at a time of really well a time of des- a desperation and time of mm-hmm. depression one would be trying to blame other people but i think it's interesting how mm-hmm. your friend actually turned to religion in that sense yeah no definitely and it was you know the right choice. I think she was just kind of looking, she had nothing and was looking for something. And that just happened to really connect with her. Mm -hmm. Hey, Rachel, so what other lessons would you take from that experience, especially as you mentioned, knowing the signs of when someone's being Mm. close to that point? What signs could you tell us right here that you would say are indicators or something, something is going wrong and something needs to be done possibly? I think one of the biggest things that I think people are told time and time again, but really don't think of anything serious is when people totally come like do a 180 all of a sudden like all of a sudden you know they don't like I said my friend just started not coming to school and not ever dressing up or doing her hair and not wanting to go out and just wanting to stay home every night and you know sleeping a long amount of time just honestly the things that you were taught that are the signs are really you know and depression being just all of those signs lead to depression. Um, and I know. definitely think you hit on a really strong point that we can't assume it's just a momentary bout of sadness. That yep. it's, as you said, what was it? Just like simple boyfriend issues or something? Um, she had actually, she had a lot of oh, okay. family. She did not have a family, basically, like not a stable family and boyfriend issues. So a lot of kind of the worst things you can think of, but even people who just have, you know, fights with their boyfriend or just have parents who are getting divorced, even little things I think can still lead people to depression and to feel that way. Yeah, we can't always assume it's going to be really, really bad bullying Mm -hmm. or really, like, really bad happenings within the family, but it can be small things also, and we have to pay attention to that. You completely have to pay attention, and now I, you know, am very, very aware of that since that happened to me. And so I think even if it hasn't happened to you, I I would just want everyone to be aware of that and 
you know, know that those kind of things should not be taken lightly ever. Mm -hmm. How has this experience um, colored your perspective of issues? For example, maybe in college right now, do you see uh, this coming up possibly as an issue in different cases or is it more under the radar? Um, For me personally, in my experiences here, I haven't really dealt with it that much or noticed anything. And I am very aware and I haven't noticed anything. But I am sure that at some point, you know, I will notice something. And maybe when it first happens, I'll probably... Just, just approach the person and talk to them and just let them know that I'm here, you know, not bringing up anything specific. Um, but yeah. yeah, I am always kind of looking out for that, especially with my friends. Yeah. And final question, Rachel, mm -hmm. how would you, what advice would you give to someone else if they think, they, if they're suspicious that something like this might happen, what would you tell that person to do in order to help the person, someone who might be in danger? I think firstly, you would have to try yourself to talk to them and maybe not make them admit to you, but just somehow get them to tell you something so that... But not confront them. More not like, confront them, yeah. but just make sure that maybe that they know that you're aware of what's going on in their lives. And if that doesn't work, you have to go to a, an authority figure. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are very scared to do that, but that's the right thing to do. Because if, say you weren't to do that and something were to happen, you know, that's you yeah. could have done something about it. That's kind of how I felt. So yeah, definitely. don't be afraid to go to someone else. Mm -hmm. Well, Rachel, thank you for so much for joining us and sharing your story, just like everyone else on this show today, sharing our stories in order to help other people recognize what they can do to help, what they can do to make a small difference. Yep. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here on Voice America Kids. And thanks to Star Style Productions for producing this show. My name is Steven Zhao. I'm your team host today. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program. This time, for real, life-changing. Express yourself. We want to hear your thoughts, and we want to answer your questions. So email us at btsya radio at gmail.com you can also check us out online at btsya.com where you can upload your creative works at our site for free get involved with the charity and of course we really appreciate your donations most of all remember to express yourself thanks for joining us this week on express yourself Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars could shine between the you would let yourself